Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Taste of Meaning. Today is our eighth episode of season one. We are joined by a great friend. She is someone I met at work, and I am insanely happy on how close we've gotten over this past year. And I know that she's just someone who's always succeeds and thrives in everything she does. Everyone, please give me a warm welcome to Sophia Duff. Thank you, Martine. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you, Charlie, for having me on. My name is Sophia. As Martine said, I am one of his co-workers. Well, kind of now because Mr. Martine over here got a promotion and left the team. He just did. <laughs> I know. He just left. And I wonder what the worst part is, Charlie. <laughs> On my birthday. Oh, what a dick. <laughs> right? Dude, I was so mad. And I was like at Disney for my birthday, too. So I was like, how am I supposed to enjoy this if Martine's leaving and I'm not going to be there for his last day? <laughs> We had our moment the day prior, okay? I know, we did have our moment the day prior. And then I can still harass him on Teams because he's still with the company. <laughs> Make sure Just you continue to do team. that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I will. I'll still put him in his place. Good. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, yeah. Cool. So, Sophia, <laughs> for the food element, you have you are half Venezuelan, a quarter Brazilian, and a quarter Canadian white. And you picked this unique food from your mother's homeland. Do you want to talk about it? Yes. So I chose arepas for a food that's like near and dear to my heart. It's so, you know, I know I'm sure you're familiar. You know how like there's like street tacos that are very big, like here and in Mexico and whatnot. That's like our version of that. Mm -hmm. It's we have arepas everywhere. And it's just a food that's eaten breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's super easy to make. And it's so filling. And I know there's arepas in like other cultures and like Colombia and Venezuela are the two main cultures that have it. But there's like a huge difference between the two and the Venezuelan ones. They're just like full of stuff in it. It's so, like, it. Hmm. oh, would, are, would arepas be like empanadas from Mexican? From um, Kind of? Is that the, not the closest? Not necessarily. Okay. Because we also have empanadas. And ah, okay. And the empanadas that you get in Mexico and like mm-hmm. other cult And like, I mean, everybody has their own variation of making them. Yeah. Um, arepas are like, okay, the best way to describe it is, you know, the pork buns that you eat. I don't know. I get them at like ramen restaurants, like the pork buns. It's like that dough on the outside, but it's still kind of open with like stuff in it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what it is, but it's made with corn flour. So I know I've seen a lot of people compare it to a gordita, which in terms of how you make it, you like smash and whatnot, but it's not, I mean, I've had gorditas once and it was really sweet. So Mm -hmm. it was like not the same to me, but yeah so it's very similar to that in that aspect and you just like fill it with stuff like my favorite Mm. filling is the reina pepiada which is uh avocado and like shredded chicken and And you can fill you can literally put anything in it beans we put like beans uh like nata or i don't know what they it's like a cream thing you make it's like you know um literally anything can be in it and they can also make sweet ones which are also very good okay so so we like taste wise i'm trying to think is it kind of like a like almost like a like a bread taste to it or or is there any taste to it oh there's so much taste to it okay okay Um, (laughs) there's so ah i I didn't get that could you try again siri attack (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm taking this off my watch (laughs) my bad my watch just like went off on me i'm so sorry (laughs) Oh. Siri heard like arepas. I got you. How many <laughs> no, you want? I got you. Go. You want me order it right now? Girl? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I've done that before. I'll go into that later. Okay. But um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like corn flour. Uh huh. I it's it's. Okay. I wish I could like pull up a picture to show you, but I know it's like people. Oh no, I'm looking at it right now. Like oh, it looks delicious. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. amazing. I'd be more than happy to like make some for you guys one day super easy to make you can bake them you can fry them yeah everything oh it's amazing i was at latino market earlier today but i was actually trying Mm -hmm. to look for arepas i was trying to see like they had any they didn't have any so i was like no you literally cannot find arepas really anywhere it's like not something you can just like buy at a market you have to buy the um the ingredients flour yourself Okay. Yeah, and but there is a place in Pasadena that I've been to, which I was so impressed. It's just it sucks because arepas in the U.S. are so expensive. Mm. Um, 
because it's not a common thing you know like the ingredients I don't know I don't know why they're so expensive because they're really easy to make I make them at home um but I mean to each their own they probably get it imported from Venezuela so like that makes sense right whereas I find like whatever corn flour I can find at Walmart I don't know um but I yeah no so it's like before I knew how to make them I was in school in Pittsburgh and there was a place called Cilantro Yajo is actually like completely run by Venezuelans it opened up like midway through my um school year and I found it going on going out uh to dinner with my friend and I kid you not I've spent like $50 on Grubhub just to buy myself like an arepa and some pequeños and like some empanadas because of how good it was and it was like so comforting because my mom being away from me not being able to make it for me it was like kind of like made me feel at home even though I was like three hours away but still you know yeah sorry just like because we were talking about the grub you were talking about grub hub I was like no you probably can't grub hub it but I have done that and my (laughs) college roommate and one of my best friends Morgan we I introduced her to it and like life-changing so we would just order like an obscene amount of money or obscene we would spend (laughs) an obscene amount of money on arepas like on a monthly basis (laughs) because it was just a little far and we had no car oh okay no you said you went to school in Pittsburgh? Yes. I went to a very, very small school that nobody really knows of called Point Park University. It's like 3,000 students max, I think. Mm. And half of the school is part of the conservatory. So like dance, musical theater, cinema. Um, I wasn't part of that because the tuition for that was also like $15,000 more than just like going to the school of business. Mm. because they had more like intensive classes because it was like dance it was it's i know the dance program is like in the top five in the entire country whoa okay yeah so it's it's a very popular school in dance and like i think theater but and mortuary sciences those are very two different things (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently it has like a really good like mortuary and morgue program I studied entertainment management, though, so I wasn't in either school. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah. Fun times. So how, I know you grew up in Virginia, correct? Yes. So how has that experience going from Virginia to Pittsburgh, now living in Los Angeles, like been for you in your very young life? Oh, it was kind of interesting and like a bit of a culture shock when I moved to all these different areas. Mm-hmm. I like to think because my parents raised me and my sister in a very like I don't I want to say we're we were very immersed in our cultures if that makes sense and it kind of taught us to adapt to many different scenarios if you understand what I'm saying mm, I think for sure mm-hmm. so going to school so long story short I raised I was raised in Virginia in you can even google it the richest county of America predominantly mm. white I was 30 minutes away from DC most parents that were part of my like most of the parents for my classmates were like lawyers executives like they worked in the government or they were military so a lot of them were very wealthy I wasn't really raised that way like my parents weren't like I wasn't poor I was grew up very privileged I want to say my mom's a teacher my dad does sales and telecom um going to Pittsburgh was completely different because it it I lived downtown which mm-hmm. when you think downtown, you're like, oh, it's probably close to like a lot of things, nightlife, oh, restaurants, but it was a complete food desert. Um, to do groceries, we had to plan a day to go do groceries because it would be like a four hour round trip thing. Cause we had to walk to, cause my roommate did have a car, but it was like far away from campus because parking in downtown is like $330 a month. Um, so we had to like either walk across a bridge or sometimes even Uber to our car. Um, so that like the closest place, the closest grocery store was like Trader Joe's and Target, which was a 30 minute drive from Mm. our building. Mm -hmm. And so we would literally plan days to the point where like Sundays was, all right, groceries run all the errands we need today because throughout the week, there's like nothing to do. Um, And then moving to California was a little different just because I was always busy. So I don't really... It, it, the area that I live in now reminds me a lot from my hometown because it's a very like quiet area I chose to live further away from the city because mm-hmm. it was just one cheaper and two it's not that bad of a drive 
mm-hmm. you know so yeah uh, so it's so interesting that, because yeah. like you know thinking about just how accessible a lot of the things are here in southern california it's like you know you go like five maybe 10 15 minutes and like okay you're at some sort of either major shopping center, um, groceries or whatever. And so, yeah, a lot of that kind of reminds me of just sort of like what, what it's like, I, I've never sort of gone so much into the East coast, but then I guess the closest I've been to that has maybe been like when I lived up in, um, Eugene, Oregon for my first year of college. And it was like, there was some stuff that was close, but like, you kind of had to drive a little bit across town to get to like a nearby target, you mm-hmm. know? And so it is, you know, kind of that's sort of like, not isolated, but more so just not as accessible as a lot of stuff in Southern California would be. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that kind of blew my mind when I moved here from Virginia is how dramatic people are about driving. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more. (laughs) I will literally be like, oh, let's go to, because like, you know how everything's very, like you said, everything's very close here. Everything's very accessible. In Virginia, for me to go to the mall, it would be like a 30 minute drive. So that was nothing for us driving 15, 20, 30 minutes, even 45 minutes was like, oh, let's just go like, oh, let's go to this restaurant to eat. It's really good. It's very close, 40 minutes away. Meanwhile, here, I'll like ask my friends, be like, oh, there's like a really nice restaurant. And because I look like I said, near Pasadena, I'll be like, oh, there's a really nice restaurant in Burbank. We should go try. It's only a 22 minute drive. And they're like, that's so far. Can we go anywhere closer? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? So it's like the one thing that just shocked me about living here. It's like people think like 10, 15 minute drives are far away. And that just baffles me. Yeah. It just baffles yeah. Me. And, and I mean, I guess it depends too. Like, you know, what sort of 10 to 15 minutes are you in? Is it 10 to 15 minutes on the street? Is it 10 to 15 minutes on a on freeway, freeway that's with traffic? <laughs> you, know, like, you know, it kind of depends on the situation, I guess, too. Yeah, exactly. And like 10, 15 minutes traffic. Yeah, I get that. But if it's like, 23 minutes from my house to Burbank is with completely lives like with zero mm-hmm. traffic with traffic. It takes a solid hour and 15 minutes. Oh yeah. Like, at most, I think at most like an hour. 30. <laughs> I know the PTSD I had from driving to work. <laughs> right. And then I remember the last week when COVID hit, my friend was actually visiting for that week. It was before everything shut down before we even like places closed and I was telling her I was like oh yeah when you come pick me up when we go home you need to like give yourself a good like hour and a half from wherever you're going because it'll be rush hour it took me I think my record was 18 minutes from my office to the house and I live I think it's like 20 miles away because of how empty the streets were and I was like I promise it's normally never like this like tonight on a Saturday afternoon I had to drive to downtown LA and it took me like 45 minutes Mm-hmm. when it should only be like 20 but whatever <laughs> <laughs> no i feel you yesterday i went to riverside it took me like an hour and a half oh like god oh, no. <laughs> yeah i know i'm driving down to orange county tomorrow and i'm like oh god normally it takes me like a good hour to get there with like traffic <laughs> so i'm like I have to go to downtown LA first. So I'm curious. I've I've heard this is the case for places outside of Southern California. Because like in Southern California, we always refer to freeways as the five, the 405, the 60. What is it like in other states? Oh, Sophia's getting happy. (laughs) I'm so excited you brought this up. Why do you guys put the in front of everything? (laughs) Okay. Oh, she's on the other side of this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I understand because now that I've been living here for give or take two years, I am also starting to put the word the Mm. in front of it and I'll go home and start saying it. And I'm like, no, stop it. Stop, stop, stop. Because no one will understand. Okay. So first of all, we don't call it freeways. We, um, there's one road that we call beltway, which I think it's the one with tolls because we have a lot of tolls. Oh, okay. Okay. Like our toll roads are like $15 it's absurd what the F? yeah no it's a lot Why? of money for tolls. i don't know and we also have the greenway um yeah so we have beltways greenways and then we just like we don't really say like freeway if i'm going on i-95 i just say oh i'm on 95 right now people know what that is i think it's like interstate 95 i don't know it's the yeah. road that takes you from wherever it lands up north all the way to florida uh-huh mm-hmm. but and- yeah 
And then you have us, the 60, the 10, the 405, the dramatics behind everything. Maybe that's why. Maybe because it's so like dramatic with the, the traffic. It's just like you have to put that in front of it. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to hop on the 405 to the 210. I don't even know if the roads are right. I just know no, the roads, right. but I don't right. know if they're right. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to, and then I'm just going to like merge onto the 134. And I'm just like... Then we'll take the 71. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, I'll be at home. My parents will be like, oh, I'll like be calling my parents and they're talking about how they're almost home. It's like, oh, where are you guys? They're like, oh, we're just on 28, about to take off this exit. And so it's like mm. very different. I started mm. saying the in front of things and people started making fun of me when I was home. <laughs> because it's like, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys watch SNL? And the yeah. Californians. Yeah, I saw that one. That was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> that was so funny. My favorite is they all break character. <laughs> but yeah, if that wait, answers your question about the wait, freeways, Charlie, what's stuff. the other side of what you're saying earlier about the freeways and stuff? Yeah. Oh no, no, because it, it, it sounds like she, she was <laughs> she was on the 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 other side in terms of not saying the. <laughs> oh okay. I know, but like, she's starting to convert, which is okay. Yeah. No, like I'm okay <laughs> with it. It's just it was an adjustment. Because and now it's an adjustment going back because now I'm also saying the in front of okay, I'll be honest, it kind of makes sense why you guys put the word the in front of it. But as a fellow East Coaster, born and raised, I cannot comply to that one. I'm sorry. I can't okay, okay. Beyond the fuzz. What does the East Coast think about us Californians? Mm. Are we mm, all the are one. we the famous beach surfer type? That they always you know think of? what honestly yeah and then also um Figured. influencers and uh. like everybody wants to come out here and be a youtuber in fact <laughs> most people make fun of californians um in a way but a lot of people also want to come out here so it's like a hit or miss depends where you go like if you go hey. more southern areas they're like oh damn californians damn california with north, taxes right exactly it's like those aren't oh that commie governor northam or no not northam that's a virginia governor New you damn californians <laughs> with your acceptance of food and personnel it's like oh god forbid people have rights and happiness god well, they, forbid we care about each other right well, they hate us because they ate us no? exactly, exactly. <laughs> the one thing that i do miss is gas prices though Oh, I really do miss gas prices. Oh well, you know, get that electric car soon. Who cares about know, gas prices? Right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like not actually praying for this because I don't want to deal with it, but I would not be upset if somebody rear-ended me and totaled my car just so it was like a little love tap. So I have an excuse to buy myself a Tesla right now. <laughs> so what you're trying to tell us is that you want us to rear-end your car. Yeah, please, oh, somebody come rear-end me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, please don't rear-end me. I got rear-ended a year and a half ago, and oh. I got a concussion, and that was oh. not fun. And All it right. totaled my dad's car, and I was not even a mile away from home, and I called him crying. It was when I was home for the weekend. It was not fun. I was very sad. <laughs> Okay, that took a turn. <laughs> but it's okay because shit happens. I got dark real quick. <laughs> how, how dark can we go? <laughs> I know, right? I, I can go. I can let's, go. Dark. Let's get this back on the rails, Martine. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm big on veering conversations. No, this is fun. I like that we talked about the freeways and stuff. Um, I, so I know just working with you personally that you have a huge passion for digital marketing and social media. Can we talk about like, for one, so first question, what do you feel like is the landscape around digital marketing and how some people can like perceive it as something when it isn't? And if you know what I mean, cool. If you don't, then we can uh, elaborate. Can you please elaborate a little bit? So, you know, some people might think digital marketing is just like email blasting. Yes. And so like, what would you consider digital marketing? Let's start like that. I would consider digital marketing as like anything I think that's on a screen. Okay. If you know what I mean. Any like yeah. strategy on a screen. And then also just, I don't know, like the analytics behind it or whatnot. And I'm trying to find, I'm trying to like tell it in a story. So basically I am just very fascinated at how digital media has grown within the past decade. Like Instagram, it became popular when I was in middle school. And that was also when I got my first iPhone. So I was immersed into social media at a very young age. Honestly, maybe a young, little younger, young, 
younger than what I have maybe wanted actually because I mm. know at a young age when there really wasn't much to do in my like area I was glued to my phone like it got to a point where I felt addicted to my phone but because I was so fascinated by social media and how that works like I got Twitter and Facebook in fifth grade like, that is so young that whoa so- yeah wow yeah and like if you go on my Facebook in like 2010 2011 it's literally like just ate dinner yum you know but I sorry I'm like totally veering off but digital marketing like had a passion for it ever since I was a kid because I've just been fascinated at how fast it's grown and how big it is I mean people are making millions of dollars on just posting pictures of themselves holding products, making video, making content. And there's this like whole, I mean, yeah, I mean, Martine, you know, from like what we do, it's literally, it's what we do. We buy ads on these social media sites because we know that that's where the The audience is. Exactly. And so to me, I guess digital marketing landscape is just at the, it's anything at the tip of your fingers, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, I mean, like every, your phone is everywhere, right? With you. It's like the one thing you remember to leave the house with keys, wallet, phone. Those are the three things, you know? And I don't know if any of that made sense. So, okay. So now I'm, I'm kind of fascinated because it's like, mm-hmm. I see it sort of from the business standpoint and, mm-hmm. and sort of like what it, what it represents on that side of it. And, mm-hmm. and I think it makes sense, you know, the, the, how it's like that's sort of present in people's lives, just 24 seven. So I'm, I'm curious on the sort of more social side of it, because you mentioned yeah. like just fifth grade, like you had, you said Twitter and Facebook, and I'm thinking back like fifth grade, like shit, I, I didn't do any of that. I'm just like, yeah. I remember just going down the street, playing with some, some kids, you know, on my block. And so like, I guess, how, how does that sort of, how do you, what do you think about that from more of a social standpoint for kids growing up nowadays, having that accessibility? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I did start pretty young, but I was also big on sports and like, I wasn't, you know, like I still played outside with my friends nowadays. It's I've seen people give their kids iPads and iPod touches at four years old. And to the point where like, you don't really see people playing outside anymore, which is kind of upsetting. And like, because I know what it was like given a smartphone at such a young age, like I got it for my 12th birthday or no, not even, I don't know, it was 12 or 13. Like, that's a pretty young age to have an iPhone, I feel like, especially back then. I saw how much it impacted me and honestly, my learning and like my growth, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's kind of sad seeing these young kids with phones already because now all they want to do is like play on with a screen and it damages your eyes you know like I can't look at a screen for long periods of time because I start getting headaches and yeah it's just interesting to see I think technology it's amazing how fast it's growing but I also see how dangerous it can be I mean with some with like cyberbullying and stuff Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. kids I feel like depression anxiety and all that stuff and like just overall mental health issues are at an all-time high right now because of the things that are, I don't want to partially, I don't want to like specifically blame the technology for it, but the technology gives like people the, I guess, accessibility to be mean and to like be terrible humans. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what I mean? It makes it easier to bully and it makes it easier to harass. I don't know, you know? Right. Right. Cause in like, you know, growing up, it was, if you have a problem with someone, you sort of just kind of settle it like face to face and it's like, okay, cool like I dealt with you, you're done. But then like that whole cyberbullying, it becomes more pervasive. It, like you yeah. can, it can happen anytime. It can continue on and it could even be sort of like used as evidence sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. of whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's just interesting, you know, being on both sides of it. Like I understand, like I'm very grateful that I was in a position where I could get a phone at such a young age and get social media at such a young age. But I think if I were, me now I don't think I would have begged and like pleaded to be able to get these Mm -hmm. things because for me and I was honestly one of the last people to get this out of my friends like I said I grew up in a very wealthy community and everybody just like had the whole unlimited texting like the nice Mm -hmm. phones with the touch screens you know um at such a young age I was like the outcast at that point because everybody else had this already and like at 
fifth grade. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. I mean, I'm so shocked that my parents let me. However, I was also a brat when I was a kid. Like, I was a pretty shitty kid. I'm not going to lie. And I, like, cried and threw temper tantrums if they said no to me. Like, <laughs> it, I was pretty bad. And then I got, like, a rude awakening when I was older. Like, this is not how it should be, you know? But, yeah. Respect. <laughs> respect for being a brat <laughs> i know right no respect for changing and like right? seeing growth. that it's not okay yeah this is what we call growth friends. and i mean sometimes people may not even experience that they may not even have that rude awakening where they can kind exactly. of just go through their lives you know however their type of way and that may never happen no i know a lot of people like that unfortunately nice it just everything just given to them at, the like, entitlement ever. yeah so much so um, so staring a bit away from digital marketing because that's one of your passions and that's where you're currently working your career you're currently looking to expand that later you want to make sure that's something you stay with as part of your career mm-hmm. which is right it's like that's where the you know the jobs are going towards that's where the world is shifting towards so it's good to be like one of the pioneers of that mm-hmm. uh, but you also like doing some stuff on the side with your um, PA work production assistant can you talk to us more about that and any like big projects you've been a part of yeah, absolutely. So I've, so I guess this goes way back. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was always, I knew I wanted to be in entertainment in one way or another. Um, and actually I started PAing because of my hairstylist, the lady who was cutting my hair. She, um, you know, she was dying my hair, cutting my hair. We were in that chair for like three hours. So obviously we're going to talk, right? Turns out her husband um, is like a PA or is like assistant director and stuff. And turns out she also had a kid and I'm a huge like I'm a nanny I babysit all the time she needed a nanny and I ended up talking to her husband one day and he ended up getting me my first production assistant gig for an Adidas commercial cool and starring uh Donald Glover and Monique mm, mm-hmm. also another actress which I'm sure everybody knows yeah but so that was a really interesting um experience because my first PA gig I was like so new and stuff I was like a little caterpillar blossoming into a butterfly (laughs) um I was totally clueless I was like I don't know what any of this means but it was a very interesting experience to the point where it ended up getting me another PA gig for um a Spotify shoot with Juice World rest in peace he was a very great guy so Mm -hmm. nice so nice literally like he introduced himself to me while his like the rest of his team did and he like shook my hand he's like hey what's your name like my name's can't remember his first name I think it's like Jared or something I uh, he like shook my hand he was like I am Jared nice to meet you what's your name blah 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 like thank you for like being here you know wow. and it was just like really it was like a really amazing experience and this was it wasn't a commercial it was for um I don't know if you guys are aware of this but Spotify does this thing or at least that year I think what it was was they get up-and-coming artists and like rappers mm-hmm. and make uh 3d statues of them and put them up in the uh museum i think the moma in new york thing whoa um and that was what the shoot was for so it was just like i was just there to like help set up lunches just make sure everybody had stuff you know the thing with like being a production assistant it's like you're not really involved in the actual production part of things you're just kind of there to like get waters get lunches make sure everybody has everything they need so like for the child or for the uh, adidas shoot that i was part of I ended up having to get Donald Glover, like, his food and stuff, which was really cool. But it was just, like, you know, bitch work. What what was was his go-to meal? What what did he eat? I can't remember, but it was breakfast food because it was, like, a breakfast food truck. Mm. But I know I ordered – I know I had to get orange juice at some point. (laughs) All right, then, folks, you hear that Donald Glover loves OJ. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, but that was – Literally, but that was that was a really interesting and that was a really fun experience. Late nights, but there I like being I like doing production work because it's one, it's good money and it's a really great way to meet people mm-hmm. and especially in the industry that I want to be a part of. You know, everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's like a great place to network and really try to figure out what you want to do. Like because I was a PA, I learned that maybe I would want to do production work, but I don't, wouldn't want to do like, I would want to do directing or like the strategy behind the job, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I learned through that is that I don't think I would want to do like actual production stuff. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe like I'm down to do PA work, like on a Saturday or something, if they need somebody and I've done like a couple small gigs here and there, but for the most part, yeah, I don't know if I would see myself in production again. I'm more, I'm more of a business driven person. And like my end goal is I want to do marketing strategy for film mm-hmm. and work at a studio. Mm-hmm. So knock on wood that happens one day. Yeah. That that's so cool though. Like uh, I, I had no idea just about that production assistant type of world. And it's, it's fascinating to hear that. Like there are some, the people that you get to meet, like it, it's sort of, you get to see like another side of them to see them that like they're, you know, that they're thankful or it gets to, they greet you. And they're, they're sort of, because a lot of times when I, when I think of celebrities or I hear about celebrities, they seem mm-hmm. so just disconnected from other people. They're like either just into yeah. their own thing. They don't care about you. You get, you get them what they need, but then to hear stories like this, it's really refreshing. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had my fair share of sure. uh, <laughs> I'm sure. like, crappy celebrities. Like I, so I used to work music festivals for, I'm not, I don't want to like say names, but I used to work at big music festivals in the VIP department. Mm-hmm. I still kind of do, but obviously with COVID that kind of ended yeah. and there was one celebrity, I'm not going to say the name, but I'll tell you guys later. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like at the front checking wristbands and he, I'm like, can I please see your wristband? And he was like, do you know who I am? I was like, no can I please see your wristband? I knew exactly who he was. I just was not going to give him like the satisfaction. And then he was like, fine. I was like, oh my gosh. What, and, wait, what genre of music just for the listeners? So they not can a music. Oh, not so music. just a celebrity. Um, part of a very big community. Okay. A talentless community. <laughs> okay. All right then folks, is that a YouTuber or a TikToker? Go ham. <laughs> go guess who go guess which team 10 house they are part of. Right. Is, that, <laughs> is it hype house? Is it sway house? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I'm not it's some I just, kind of house. For the sake of getting sued, I'm not gonna say yeah, to. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry. I, I'll be the one to instigate it. It's a house of some sort, I'm sure. I don't know, but I'm just it sounds like a, an asshole. Sorry, whoever it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah right no i'm never never again but never again like one of the, like my biggest nightmare i almost body slammed um what's her name sandra O oh, though what? what wow yeah so this was actually another production assistant job but it wasn't like an actual production it was post-production like facility uh-huh. and this when i tell you this is the worst job i've ever had in my life i lasted a month and a half and I quit because they had me cleaning human feces from the sidewalk and cleaning doorknobs and stocking fridges. It was, no, no. <laughs> so what? yeah, yeah, no. So literally the worst job I've ever had in my life. Um, but I had to go get a bottle of wine at a really nice place on Melrose and it was literally 20 minutes away. And they're like, you have to be back in 15 minutes because this needs to go up tonight. I'm like, okay, then don't give me these like I'm not going to make it in that time unless you want me to speed and get a ticket and you'll have to pay for it. Like, mm-hmm. no. And so I like park my car and I sprint and I like Sandra O right here. And I go and I pull back. It was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was her until after. And I turned around and I was like, Holy fucking shit. because I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan. That uh... is the only show that I consistently watch. And so I almost cried. No, I did cry. Actually. I was like, I almost body checked Sandra O. And I am so sorry. So wait, wait. So let me get this straight. Maybe because of your gigs that you worked before. Because last week's episode, our guest asked us because Char and I being in California, if we oh, run yeah. into celebrities pretty often. It sounds like with you, you're actually frequently like meeting new celebs. I I am. I've gotten pretty lucky. I walked uh, past. The thing is, like with celebrities, I don't really. For somebody who's in entertainment and like film, I really don't know celebrities, and I don't care for celebrities. Okay. Unless it's like somebody from like a show i consistently watch like Grey's anatomy sandra oh if you're out there i'm so sorry um but um i walked past jane lynch oh on the side of the street and i was fangirling internally so hard because i love her she's so funny but yeah i've had yeah i've actually had some experiences with celebrities i guess see that makes me wonder if i have so come across someone who's famous just never realized you probably have you sure. probably have because there was one time when i interned at warner brothers i was in the elevator uh-huh. and i was with one of the um she was the, one of the editors in the department that i was at and we were standing in the like in the elevator and i was just eating you know those, those like bagged salads that they have yeah 
I like had it in a cup because I didn't have any bowls with me. So like I had one half and like, I was like holding the bag while also holding a cup, eating it because it was just easier. And Matt Bomber, (gasps) Matt Bomber was in there with me. Dude, he's a a good looking man. And he started talking to me and he was like, is that a, it was like, mm, I would kill for that right now. And I looked at him, it was like a salad. And he was like, oh, I thought it was a milkshake. I'm so sorry. I was like, a milkshake wouldn't hurt. Like for sure, a milkshake would be bomb. And then we were just like small talk after. I had no clue who this guy was. No idea. And after we leave the elevator, the girl who I was with like nudged me. She's like, do you know who that was? I was like, no. Was he supposed to? <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry to whoever I just talked to. Um, yeah, it turns out he's like what in Magic Mike, like I think like scrub. white collar. Or white white, white collar, that's the one. Yeah. White collar. Yeah. yeah. She so I had no idea who that was. Um Yeah. My my wife has a has a man crush for him. Really? <laughs> the thing is he was like very well put together. So part of me like had the intuition is like, oh, this could be somebody. Um turns out it was in fact somebody. And <laughs> I made an ass of myself because I was talking to him with a mouthful of salad. So you were, you were just genuine. I think that's I know, what I think he's appreciated that. He probably yeah. was like, oh my God, this, this girl is cool. She's not freaking out. Like her he probably speaks probably about did. you on the daily nowadays. Like, oh man, uh, this girl, I'm in the elevator. She was so cool. I hope so. <laughs> she Matt was my idol. She was eating salad out of a cup. Right? In she was like, legit. I thought it was a milkshake. I thought it was a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was eating with a spoon and you can clearly see the little like lettuce falling off the board he was trying to manifest milkshakes because he knew his body was deprived of the milkshake probably probably. i mean (laughs) you gotta keep that figure you gotta keep that figure up but his outfit was on point it was like a really nice suit oh he he, suit magic all the time so it was like a v-neck like you could see the chest i was like oh you're waxed i was like oh you're like like, nice (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so that was interesting yeah, maybe I have met someone, or maybe I'm the have. maybe I'm the one they've met. Ha, ha, ha. They're like, oh my god, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> Yeah, dude, I I ran into Eminem memoir today. Ass. <laughs> shut up, Charlie. <laughs> when I taste him winning blows up, I'm leaving you behind if you're gonna keep this up. You're gonna, keep, you're gonna keep being a jerk. Fine, I'm gonna go talk to Michelle Obama by myself then. That's no, no, fine. no, no, no. I talk to Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't part of this. I will talk to Oprah and Michelle and Beyonce and you will not get any credit if you keep harassing me. (laughs) Speaking of harassment. um, (laughs) Speaking of harassment. All right, right, let's go. Great transition. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, Going back to your time as a student, as well as living on the East Coast, you were fortunate enough to work on a very, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. You worked on the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. I did. And unfortunately, that didn't end up the way most have wanted, Mm-mm. even though she did win the popular vote by a pretty good margin. She did win the popular and vote by like. And that's all I'm going to say from there. How was your experience working? Um, that so campaign? it was really interesting because I didn't work like directly with Hillary and her team. Mm-hmm. I worked on the field campaign. Mm-hmm. So I was an intern or technically a fellow because it was a long term internship type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting. It definitely taught me what I didn't want to do excuse me, I thought I would want to do politics and I actually started um, community college studying poli-sci. Uh-huh. So because of that, because of that, I'm so sorry if you guys heard the dog. It's okay. But because of the campaign, I was like, maybe I don't want to do this. It was intense. It was intense working on a field campaign, especially unpaid. I worked like more than 40 hours a week. I was constantly, it was just phone banking and specifically in the area in the region that I was put in was a very conservative area Mm. like the high schools there have camo outs for their sports games instead of like whiteouts and blackouts they like work camo and that was their spirit stuff um so it was very like interesting we actually at our office we got egged and we got signs cut up with knives and like we had people harassing us on a daily basis people walking Mm -hmm. in and being like oh get out of here blah 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 um so that was like a really i like eye-opening experience because in the so the region that i was in was like 30 minutes away from my house and in my area there's like conservative people but they're more low-key if that makes sense like you don't really know because 
there's also a lot of like liberal people in my mm. area in like the specific area that I grew up so it was really like hit or miss you don't really talk about politics growing up um but in this specific area it was pretty rough um I remember going to houses so we would knock door to door and we were just given a list of people who had voted democratic at any point in their life during the general elections um because we had access to all that and some people that I knocked on literally chased me out of their house chased me out and I'm like it was crazy like how aggressive people was and this was at the height of like all the hate and stuff because of trump and how he's such a hateful human being god i fucking hate him but um i'm sorry that was really aggressive no but it was like at the height of all that and actually donald trump spoke at my high school wow high school that i graduated out on the stage that i would perform in theater wow was this after you graduated it was was the summer i graduated after i graduated august 3rd 2016 i remember clearly it was also the same day he told a baby to shut up on that also went like i don't know if you guys probably you may have seen that clip and i believe it's also the same exact place that he made fun of the purple heart um ex or like vet or veteran or something like that i don't know if you guys remember that situation too and i remember sorry this kind of like ties into the clinton campaign not really it's just like the area that I grew up in like it was crazy seeing so many of my high school students high school classmates who I didn't think were like that at all coming to this rally wearing Trump stuff mm. and like wearing all of this like hateful hateful merchandise and cheering him on and like my one of our old biology teachers sang the national anthem for him mm. and it was just like it was crazy for me I was actually in Canada when it happened, but no, I remember that day clearly. One of our superintendents got arrested because she sat in front of the door barring people from getting in mm. because of she like was so against him being there. Mm-hmm. We stand. Dang. It was great. Yeah. Whoa. So. But yeah, the Clinton campaign was interesting. It was just full of, it was just really like, just talking to people and really ensuring people went out and voted because you know people are just won't go out and vote but yeah. because of how intense the election was that was our main thing is making sure like i remember i drove there was this lady who she was older she was probably in her 70s um she was an immigrant she didn't speak any english i was at the voting polls and someone sent her to the wrong location and so i ended up having to go in the system figure out where her polling location was this was at 6 30 polls close at seven or no like 6 15 the polls close at seven i said get in my car we're gonna go and it was also the first time she'll ever be able to vote she was ever mm. able to vote in the u.s so this was like her first election voting um that was like really honestly it was very emotional for me because it's just you know i don't know i don't know how to explain that feeling somebody literally sent her to the wrong location knowing she was gonna vote for hillary yeah yeah and it's just I injustice said, it's yeah and i said get in my car i'm taking you the place was 30 minutes away Mm -hmm. her polling location was 30 minutes away she had no way to get there and i was like we're gonna go i'm gonna make sure you can get your first vote in Mm -hmm. and we made it with two minutes to spare we made it to the location at 658 and she was able to cast her first vote for hillary clinton good and see like what matters is that you should just vote regardless like yeah even like because that's our constitutional right like that's the thing that we all should have the right to do if we have that privilege like allow us to vote let us use our voice however way we we so Mm -hmm. we want to do it right even if you're voting against something we may not necessarily agree with as long as you're exercising that right like no one should take that away from you and this kind of sucks when you see yeah how both sides perceive yeah and people literally like fought for the right to vote i mean women like minorities we i mean women were just allowed to vote like a little over 100 years ago you Mm -hmm. know like it's it's very unfortunate to see people not expressing their rights to vote um even like if you're a conservative whatever just vote just do it yeah you know do your civic duty right don't say like my biggest pet peeve is when people say oh i'm not gonna vote i don't really care it doesn't affect me like but it affects other people. Mm. Don't you care about other people? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it's just, yeah, I'm big on, I'm a big advocate. Even if you're like not voting for um, like my party, I'm like, yeah, go vote, just do it. 
So, yeah. So I'm kind of fascinated with that because like, I, I know sometimes like it could be that that feeling could come up where it's like, oh, well, like I, I don't want to vote because it doesn't matter. Like, so for example, like say if someone, you know, is sort of their party that they vote for, mm-hmm. let's just say is democratic and, and they want to vote in sort of a, a predominantly Republican area, you know, I, I can, I, I can sort of un, in a way empathize that like, oh, well, does their voice necessarily matter? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, I mean, you're the, just the, the situation that you're yeah. in is sort of already working against you. So like, you're just sort of dropping a, a nickel in a giant pond. And so, yeah. so it's interesting, just kind of like that, that thought about that. Yeah. Crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs some ref- like some change. And then there's people like Kanye West who voted for the first time last election cycle and voted for himself. But we don't have to go into Kanye West because <laughs> I'll get heated. I'll get heated. Um, don't get this yeah. podcast canceled. I know. I'm Yikes. probably sued by this. Um, I'm just kidding. Kanye so West. This, is this the last episode of Taste of Meeting? Shit. <laughs> no, nah, man. Like, we're ruining we're, it for you guys. We haven't done the season finale yet. We got two more episodes till then. <laughs> uh, oh my god well I, I guess it's a good way to jump to our final topic mm-hmm. um you know here at a taste of meaning we always want to make sure we can give people the best information so they can form their opinions at least with yeah. like accurate primary research and evidence or sources mm-hmm. at least and i know that we talk about racism a lot on this podcast and mm-hmm. i know sophia you've told me in the past of like certain um situations where you met people who don't believe that they are racist uh i'm just i'm trying to find a way to like formulate this but yeah let's talk about people who have an obsession with the n-word even though they're not black yeah so in this situation this situation is a acquaintance yeah we'll keep at that yeah we'll keep at that um he has this weird obsession with wanting to say the n-word and i am a person where i'm like the thing is like the n-word is obviously not right for any person to say unless you're african-american because that is a word that was used as hatred towards them and they reclaimed it for themselves right um no this man he so i actually got into a very heated argument to the point where i walked away i am cried um because of the position that i was put in so I've called him out multiple times for like saying the n-word in a song so that's like his argument is it's in the lyrics the whole point is for me to sing along why can't I sing along um so the specific night I know he likes rap music and I know he was cool like with it and stuff and so I showed him a new song the new song up by Cardi B and he goes he cuts off the song he goes so why do you think it's okay why is it not okay for me to say it yet somebody who's barely black can say it Hmm. my jaw dropped have you seen cardi b (laughs) how is she barely black like that just baffles me and so that's his argument it's like well if it's in a song if they don't want to sing it don't put it in the song and i'm just like how could you be so clueless and then but then he's like oh i'm a bernie bro i'm a democrat i'm like huh practice what you preach bro and it's just that's just one specific situation that was just baffling to me yeah it's just that situation like I literally started crying because I was also drunk I'm gonna be honest I was drunk at that point and I was I get heated when specifically when I'm drunk and like people are trying to get into controversial topics with me because you know I'm just like I'm very passionate when I talk if you like you know haven't been able to notice I like get very passionate about my opinions and whatnot um and like my deals and everything and so I started crying because I was like I can't believe this just happened yeah like I can't believe I just had to get into an argument with a white man about why the n-word isn't okay Mm -hmm. literally ask anybody it's not it's never okay even in song it do you know how easy it is to bleep a song out right like to bleep song lyrics just close your mouth don't say anything like what what my whole thing is like what do you get out of that 
what satisfaction mm. like why are you so why do you have this obsession with wanting to say something so bad that you know has a really shitty meaning and it's like a very bad meaning you know what i mean mm -hmm. towards other people towards a group of people if that makes sense and so that's just something that baffles me every day that we're still having this discussion with people yeah um yeah if you were to speculate you know yeah why why would what what would someone get out of it I guess, in that situation, what, what would be the, like, I guess their justification for it? I don't know. That's a thing. Yeah, Part of me yeah. is just like, just, and I'm sorry, but like, typically white men are just so entitled because I'm sorry, they really have nothing to lose compared mm. to other people. Mm. And so there's, there's just entitled. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's like they're going to get anything out of it specifically. Maybe like the satisfaction of, oh, I can say this. I'm going to get away with it. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I feel like it's power and control. Yeah, exactly. Like, like said, the, the power and. Yeah. Knowing that you can say or say or do something like this and understand like I'm fine. Yeah nothing's gonna happen to me there's gonna be no, there's gonna be no repercussions yeah yeah i mean nowadays no different like, from the violence that's going on exactly nowadays luckily with like cancel culture and honestly that's one thing social media is good for it's putting these like, racists and these homophobes and transphobes and all these like hateful people on blast and holding them accountable mm -hmm. because i think that's like what's important it's like i'm sorry but white men specifically have never really been held accountable I mean, look at what's his name, Brock Turner, I think is his name. Mm -hmm. from the guy, Stanford. Mm -hmm. the Stanford swimmer who was in jail for how long? Three months, I think. Yeah, three to six months, something three like that. Three to six months. And he raped an unconscious girl. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's just. And his dad justified it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And for then, like, what, two minutes of fun or whatever the hell he said? Exactly. And then there, and then all the news headlines are we're worried about diminishing his future. Yeah ruining his future i'm like no he ruined his own future hold him accountable he also ruined the derek, future of that woman the PTSD exactly and scars exactly mm -hmm. i mean look at derek Ch i don't know how to pronounce his last Calvin? name um calvin chauvin something like that um the murderer of george mm -hmm. floyd mm -hmm. he finally there was finally justice but now i don't know how much it's escalated but he asked for a retrial and it was granted to him i'm i'm pretty sure i think it was granted to him because one of the jury members posted something about the satisfaction he got about voting um yes guilty and seeing change and normally when you're a jury member you're supposed to be unbiased uh -huh. and because he publicly posted like he knew what his i guess conviction i don't know if that's the right terminology would be um he knew what it was going into it. They decided that, okay, I guess this wasn't a fair trial. Do over. Mm. I don't know how much that's passed. I know I saw that like last week, but yeah. So it's like, just when we think they're going to be held accountable, they're given a second chance, which is so unfortunate. I mean, I, I bet you anything that if it was, you know, a minority or someone who, who wasn't, um, white, you know, they may not have gotten that. Mm -hmm. They may have just they like, hey, well, they may they not even survive for trial. Yeah, yeah, they probably yeah. wouldn't even survive to make it the trial. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's just unfortunate the world we live in today. I actually got my nails done today for the first time in like a while. And the lady that I got my nails done with, Helen, we talked about this. So she immigrated here from China 20 years ago and she was yeah. talking about how like she's terrified right now to go outside and like to come to work because you yeah. don't know what's going to happen, especially, I mean, Charlie, I don't know if you've had any like experiences, but she was like, cause I, so she was like, I have my keychains, which has pepper spray, a seatbelt cutter, a window breaker, a knife and a taser on it because as a woman, you need all that just to go to your car. Yeah, that's sad. Um, she was looking at it. She's like, where do you get all that? Like, like can you send me a link kind of thing because right now it's specifically for asian like people um it's not safe you know because there's crazy people out there and there's hate like hateful people out there that are literally killing and it's just so sad and like hearing her because she was older so she probably she was i think in her 60s she said 
mm-hmm. and she's like terrified I and mean, she's been here for 20 years and she, like doesn't even feel to home to her even though it's home you know it's just like it's very upsetting because it's like I can't say I understand but I can empathize you know and it's just this world we live in is just mm-hmm. bullshit I mean like an old Asian guy in uh, El Monte I think I saw a video of it he you know he's held a gunpoint when he was you know driving I was in, in my town yeah I mean he was driving in like a like an Uber right and then it, and I mean fortunately they, they caught it on camera yeah Lyft driver and so they caught it on camera yeah but it's just like well fuck like this guy's just trying to earn a living and yeah. and this happens to him just you know senselessly by these people and you know it, I had it, it hasn't happened to me thankfully or or the people you know mm-hmm. my family but I, I'm I'm fearful of when it does happen yeah. because it's like now I already have that internal sense of fear of like, okay, you know, this could potentially happen to a family member. And, and I had this experience today. Like I, I, we had a family gathering and whatnot, and we're just going out to like the car with a couple of the um, like the close cousins and we were going out to the car. And the fact that like, I had this sort of internal sense of fear and needed to protect when like two, to like, you know, big bulky, like white guys, um, you know, walking down the street and they were looking at us like, you know, as a group of Asians. And in my mind, I was like, shit, there's something about to go down right now. The fact that I had to think that and feel like that's going to happen, mm-hmm. that sucks. And it's like, yeah. yeah, it feels, it's like you have to be more alert now. Yeah. It's like, you can't just walk outside peacefully. You have to walk outside and also be aware of your surroundings as somebody mm-hmm. like, coming up to me you know I mean I don't know I can't remember where it was but there was that Asian lady I think she was older as well got stabbed walking on the street broad daylight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's yeah it's it's heavy and I couldn't ever imagine being put in that position yeah you know I mean if you want me asking like what what sort of I guess or have you had um, any sort of experiences um, just from your culture of, of experienced racism? Yeah, I mean, I get, uh, yeah, actually, I remember in the fifth grade, I was, you know, when you like bicker with your fifth grade classmates, this kid um, screams to me, well, you shouldn't even be here. When's your mom going to get her green card? Where are you going to get a green card? And like, I, I was 10. Like, I didn't even know at that point. I was like, what was a green card? You know, like I was born here. So and it was like, it was really interesting growing up where I grew up because I, I am white passing. However, I'm not white enough for my white friends and I'm not Latina enough for my Latin friends. And so that was something that I also experienced. And like, I kind of had an identity crisis in a way um, because it was like, well, what do I identify as? You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's either one, it's like, I felt where I grew up it wasn't oh you know you're just like I they identified me as because I, like I said it wasn't wet enough for my white friends and the people that I went to school with were white like to put in perspective how diverse my middle school was I was the most diverse pe- person there damn I also went to a catholic elementary school which like that's a or middle school which that's a conversation for another day because that was a nightmare that like that school and I have told people not to like send their kids there that school is the reason why I have so many mental health issues. No joke. Mm-hmm. Because like, that's where the bulk, like the bulk of my anxiety and depression, like stress came out of because I came from public school. My mom put me in private school and these kids had all been raised and gone there since kindergarten. And I came in and of course they were like, Oh, Latina, blah, blah, blah. Come in. They also thought because I came from, because I'm Latina and I came from public school, I was a bad influence on their kids. Uh... And the parents called me slut and they called me a whore. And all this stuff because I came from public school because I wasn't privileged enough to go to a private school from kindergarten to the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was really hard to like deal with at such a young age. It also kind of shaped me who I am today. Um, but yeah, I feel like, and the thing is, it's like, to me, some things will be racist where my friends are joking and they're like, oh, blah, 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 we're just playing. Like, for example, one of my really good friends, I've kind of had to like put her in a place a few times, but when I get mad and like, I have a valid reason to get mad, she invalidates it by saying she'll like, if like, um, okay, so we were at a party, this guy, I wasn't even drinking. I was the DD for the night. I was talking to this guy and he starts getting aggressive. So I start, I have to like, you know, he's six feet tall. I'm five foot two. 
I kind of had to like stick up for myself. She pulls me back. She's like, I'm sorry. She's Venezuelan. She's fiery. And I, she, that's her argument. When I have, um, when I get mad, it's like, it, it's like, I can't ever get upset because I'm a fiery Latina and mm. I am being like extra and all that stuff. So now it's like, well, shit, I can't express my concerns. I can't stick up for myself because or else I'm aggressive mm. or I'm a bitch. Mm. And it's like, to me, honestly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt that was a little racist to yes. me yes. because it completely invalidated how I was feeling in that moment and made me feel small. Like what? what does being Latina and me being upset with something have to do with this argument that I'm in right now? Nothing. It was and out so of line her, for both of them. It was yeah. out of line. And so for her putting me in that position, making me feel smaller because I'm not white, that pissed me off. And that made me upset. That pissed me off more than the conversation that I was having with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I was just so, I was defeated. I felt defeated, mm-hmm. you know, cause I felt like I had lost that conversation that I had lost that argument, you know? And so that's just, and that happened like three years ago. This was mm-hmm. recently, you know, this was in college. Um, this was in Pittsburgh. So yeah. And that's not the first time that's happened. Anytime I get upset, I have my white friends being like, oh, it's because she's Venezuelan. She just gets spunky and like, she just gets like, you know, Latin. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me Like right the now? fuck does that even mean? Like, like can I not hell? be upset? Like, why can't yeah. I be upset ever? Yeah. Why? It's like, totally invalidating how you feel. Exactly. It's like, why can't I ever be upset without somebody saying that it's in my culture for me to be fiery and yell and scream like i understand the passionate aspect because i do get passionate i do get passionate about well, that shouldn't be a, that about. shouldn't be a fault either though exactly so yeah, yeah. and it, it can be rooted in the idea that women should just be quiet and keep to themselves exactly which, and like that's like, like you should stand up for yourself hold your peace and like say what you need to say without having to be like oh my god what are you doing like exactly thing. like no it's more like i'm gonna speak up because i have the ability to do so and there's a reason why i'm speaking up because you said something mm-hmm. that came out of like wasn't right yeah <laughs> yeah so that's like just like the one like there have been other situations growing up you know in like a very white community um yeah just upsetting but it's one of those things that unfortunately you just have to push through and like use that anger and fuel it into like your future and like making a difference and making a change if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so sometimes I think that I think those people who fueled my like they like really lit a fire under my ass to try to make a change you know so yeah I'm happy you did speak up Mm -hmm. you should continue to do so and just hopefully we can all like grow up and learn to not like Mm -hmm. stop someone else from doing that because you know you're doing what you felt was right yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for us think, not to support you, it just shows mm-hmm. we're not good friends. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's all about just sort of the the dimensions and, you know, intersectionality of who mm-hmm. a person is. It's not just, hey, I'm this type of person. And that's all mm-hmm. we know, you know, just because, you know, you are Latina and, and sort of you're vocal. It doesn't mean like, oh, put me in that place where I, I'm just that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like me, me being an, an Asian guy. I'm supposed to be you know, docile, I'm supposed to be quiet and not be vocalizing about things. Well, fuck that. That's just not who yeah, I am because exactly. that's, you know, that's, I'm not being true to just sort of the dimensions of who yeah. I am. Exactly. But- Dang. Well, so, no, Sophia, that was great. Like you, you too, Charlie, like, that was a conversation that needed to happen. Yeah, it was. I like had to put her in a place. Sometimes she still says it, but I'm like, no, we're not going to yeah. do that right now. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm let me yeah. be angry let me be upset let me feel let me feel my feelings that i want to feel right now mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah well this has been awesome i mean i am <laughs> su- such a pleasure to get to meet you and i mean like i've known you for what hour and a half and it's been, yeah, right? it's been really cool to get to know you and really cool to just hear from you and, and sort of everything that you bring as, as a person to to just the world to to making things you know, progressively better. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thankful to have met you and thankful to have talked with you. And our guests will love it to hear about this conversation too. Thank you. And thank you guys for doing this podcast. Like, I don't think you understand how much, how important stuff like this is. And so I'm really rooting for you guys. I'm sure you'll blow up and, you know, be big because this is like, it's important topics, you know, people need to hear this from like multiple different perspectives. 
not just by listening to like the same three people on CNN or Fox or MSNBC or like influencers who try to be political and whatnot. But so thank you guys actually for <laughs> doing this and actually trying to like make a difference, if you know what I mean, and like educating people. Thank you. Like like I told you last night, this wouldn't be possible without the amazing guests to come on and, you know, help us share their stories because their experiences are the ones that we need to touch upon. And it helps carry the conversation forward. So thank you for two. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a mutual, it's a, it's a team effort, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm happy we can do this. Me too. I'm really, really happy you guys brought me on. I'm really happy. (laughs) Well, you're always welcome back anytime. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm excited to see the finale and then the beginning of season two. Yeah. (laughs) And episode nine, of course, because I'm not going to forget about episode nine, but (laughs) yeah, because it's episode eight and then 10 is your episode nine is going to be the best one yet. What are you talking about? Everyone's the best one yet. (laughs) Honestly, you're right. Everyone's the best. Everyone's the best. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. I really had fun. Of course, of course. Well, that's what we're about at here at Taste of Meaning is really just to uplift culture and to really bring, you know, important and diverse stories to light, you know, the people that we know and hopefully more people that we'll get to meet. So mm-hmm. thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Sophia, for being with us. So we'll catch you next time. We are Taste of Meaning. Take care of yourselves, take care of others, and we'll see you all soon. Thank you.